With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news, and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. You are listening to the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, joined in the studio with We Are West Ham, James Jones and the returning Will Pugh. Unbelievably, he has managed to make it back. Clearly not busy today. He's managed time to fit us in for the next hour. He will be joining us and you can join us too. Tweet us at Love Sport Radio or call us 0208 70 20 558. We're going to be talking all about that game, the Friday Night Lights against Sheffield United at Bramall Lane. What we made of it, the game is gone. VAR taking up a big part of that. Then we'll be looking a little bit towards the transfer business this month. Obviously, the Randolph Medical taking forever, it seems. Jonathan Woodgate sound the longest medical in the history of the game. Then we will be looking at the weekend's game with Everton. And obviously, the West Ham Mystery Players, Rogue Players quiz will be in full force as it's the first one of the year. Will is back. Will versus James. Will, it's so good to have you back, mate. Honestly, I, I don't. you wasn't listening live because why would you? Clearly didn't think a lot of us. But me and James and Tom last week, we struggled to get through it, mate. We missed you. I'm be honest, Charlie, I did much, much I tried to listen live. The mm. signal up in the French helps just isn't as good as you'd think it would be, you know? Yeah. So I'm so I can't help I'm just a global, <laughs> global. jet setter, yeah, I know. You know you what I mean? I don't mean, James has got his brand new scarf on and his roll neck. Well. You heard I was wearing a roll neck tonight, so he's put a roll neck on. Do you know what I mean? Trendsetter, Charlie. You are you are a bit of a trendsetter. It, did you two phone each other at this? Because for the listeners, honestly, the picture, James is in a beautiful grey roll neck, Will's in a in a darker beautiful grey. Beautiful grey roll neck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's sweet. I love, the difference is that I make it look good. Oh, see, honestly, no I did actually listen back last week on the pod, and yeah. I was, you know, I mean, I'm a bigger man than uh, I'm not going <laughs> to lie myself to your two petulant, <laughs> sort of childish, hurtful levels, mm. but you know, some of the words were taken on board, and I will be remembering them for this year. Yeah, oh. did you make much of that? We we might be acquiring Jimmy Walker and yeah, I mean, you, huge. So I don't know about a replacement. I, I think two Jimmys in one studio is probably a bit overkill. But um, so uh, you know, I don't want to point fingers at who needs to leave. But your name's not Jimmy, <laughs> neither is mine. All right, James. What do your mates call you? Uh, my, my name's James, not Jimmy. <laughs> my, old, my old football coach called me Jimmy, though. Yeah. I, to yeah. be honest, I reckon if it was Jimmy Walker, we could certainly make room for him in here. We can we? certainly yeah, make Jimmy. Yeah, definitely. the show from the dangerous duo to the to the terrible trio or something. But let's look at the Sheffield United game now. Obviously, VAR taking his part. Before we get into that, and we'll obviously first time speaking to you, want to get your thoughts on the, the Moyes appointment. What did you make? of the game itself firstly on Friday night uh, mm, <laughs> right well I got a little bit of abuse on Twitter mainly from James after Bournemouth well James if... got a little bit of abuse the week before so yeah. he said yeah. yeah. join, join the club Will join Jack, the club mate my, my abuse certainly wasn't in the James <laughs> Jones level but I, I tweeted out after the Bournemouth game when everyone was singing and dancing and arranging the Europa League flights for next mm. year and all that sort of thing you know whoopee it's great I just it wasn't even that bad I said everyone can we all just 
slow down a minute. Remember I don't remember anyone born... saying, oh, let's book our flights to Europe next year. Oh, there was, honestly, some of the West Ham Twitter after that Bournemouth game, it was a bit like, blimey, it's Bournemouth, everyone. Can we just settle down? And as we can see, got thumped by Watford at home this weekend, obviously going down. All I said was... Really? Look, you think they're going down? We've, yeah, yeah, Bournemouth, I would say so, yeah. Sorry. I think we've got some we've got some actual proper football teams to come up against in the next few games. I think the tweet said uh, I reckon we'll win two or three out of the next thirteen, and I genuinely think we've got such a hard cluster of games. I think that last six where we've actually got some winnable games that it's going to come down to that, and I do think it'll be close. And I just simply said hold off on the survival party for now. James just replied with a snoring emoji, which was hurtful again. Petulant, you, James. So Very sensitive, petulant. mate. So sensitive. No, but all I mean is, and then I think, I think Friday was just sort of proof of that. I don't, I'm not going to be one of those. Well, I will be one of those tweeting out, going, "See, I told you so." I am that petty, but I, I just think Friday was a game up against a decent team. I, if the equaliser, I think everyone can admit that we probably didn't deserve that. I know the VAR controversy, so to speak, was quite bad, but. I don't think we really deserve to get anything out of the game really anyway. And I think that's going to happen a few more times in the weeks to come, unfortunately. Well, we're saying there, James, that, you know, maybe West Ham didn't deserve that equaliser, didn't deserve to get anything out of the game. David Moyes afterwards saying that proud of these players, really put in an effort, really put in a performance, should have got something from the game. Two different uh, opinions there. Where do you stand on it? See, I'm flicking through Twitter after and... I found I found a lot of the criticism towards the performance quite harsh. You better be careful what you're saying. Yeah, you? I know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've turned my phone off just in case. Um, I, just, I found it I found it quite harsh. I mean, I didn't think the performance was that bad, as bad as people have been saying. Uh, it wasn't the worst performance I've seen uh, at West Ham under Moyes or under under any recent manager. Really, it wasn't a terrible performance. Mm. Um, if I mean, we played much worse under Moyes what, eighteen months ago. Um, and I don't. I think that although, yeah, okay, Sheffield United probably shaded it on the night. I don't think it had that. Uh, the goal stood, which it should have stood. Uh, we'll get onto that. Um, I, I don't think anyone would have said, "Oh, West Ham didn't deserve that point." West Ham didn't deserve that point. I thought, you know, we had our chances during the game. We had a goal ruled out for offside. Fair enough, it was offside. That goal should have been ruled out, rightly so. Um, I like the other one. Um, and I, I just thought, you know, Haller missed a couple of clear-cut chances. Lanzini missed a clear-cut chance before we got the equaliser. You know, we had our chances. Uh, Sheffield United probably had as many clear-cut chances. They just happened to put one away when we pretty much gifted it to them. Mm. Um, so they were just a little bit more clinical than we were on the night. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think the performance was that bad. I saw some promising signs, but um, in the end, uh, a rubbish rule in football basically robbed us of a point. Yeah, and obviously uh, another big incident from that game, Will, and it, it seemed one that's happening again this season. Fabianski starting that game, going off injured, David Martin has to come in. That was the error that led to the goal. Another goalkeeping error, another injury to Fabianski. Yeah, but at least we've moved really quickly in January to pick up another goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hang yeah. on a minute. Yeah, um, unlike Villa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Villa yeah. who pick up a Premier League experienced keeper have identified that they've got a problem in the goalkeeping position. So, would you in- want Rainer though? Is he, I know it's easy to say that. Would you? Would you've had Rainer? Oh, I, um, I- I don't know, someone, just anyone. Just It shows a bit of intent, at least, doesn't it? At least, yeah. Whether he works out or not, at least it shows, oh, look, we need a goalkeeper, so we'll go and get a goalkeeper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it's tricky, but how much of a blow then, obviously, because David Martin, he obviously had that terrific uh, Stanford Bridge performance. He comes in, the error that led to the goal, obviously Fabianski injured again. It's, it's, it's the same old problems, James. It is the same old problems. Um, I think 
It's pretty rotten luck. It's rotten it luck. Um, to, to get the same injury, I know he's only just come back, so you know the chances of him aggravating that old injury is quite high still. Uh, you, you do wonder whether they did rush him back maybe one or two weeks too early. It was a little bit touch and go before the game he came back for, wasn't it? Yeah. Everyone was a bit, oh, oh, he's back already, is yeah. he? Yeah, and then you know everyone was up and out because he saved that penalty against Leicester on his, on his first game back, and I went, oh, brilliant, we got him back. <laughs> After giving it away. After giving it away. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, it is rotten luck. Uh, I think it's harsh to really put much blame on David Martin. I mean, I don't know if you watched it, but just when he was waiting to come on, he looked like a bag of nerves. You know, he was, you know, blowing out really hard and he was just you could say he just didn't really prepare himself to be on that pitch um, so to make a mistake probably not surprising um, but it was a really weird goal to give away given that Balbuena looked like he just sort of froze mm. he didn't realise he didn't realise he could move to the left a little bit and get the ball um, but yeah uh, hopefully it's only two weeks for Fabianski he can come back and um come back into the team and, and so we can start winning again because we never seem to win when he's not in the team yeah but obviously they don't want to rush him back again and then could aggravate just the injury just don't let him again. take goal kicks yeah that, I mean give the goal kicks to Diop or Ogbonna or something or I don't know someone who can kick very far that's a bit 1999 <laughs> that though isn't it I know yeah you know but I mean, I mean we need to go back to when you get your to take it and mate, start off on a 1999 we finished fifth in the Premier League so I'm happily going back to 1999 <laughs> There we go, bringing it back to 1999. West Ham, another stat from the game, have failed to score against uh, the last four times they've played against newly promoted sides. They've failed to get on a score sheet. Weird stat, you know, you always get those stats out of the game. Why is that they're struggling against sides that have just come up? Oh, I'm sure there's plenty of other sides in the league we've failed to score against as well, Charlie, to be fair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not just them. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. Let's be fair, we scored two the other night, just neither of them counted. <laughs> yes, probably what I'm on about. Let's talk about that goal then. You're saying that the goal should have stood. We just uh, just quickly speaking to Paul Mortimer on Love Sport Drive before this show. He was saying it's not the fact that the VAR here he went because VAR is just enforcing the rule. You know, they're only they're getting that right. It's actually this handball rule is actually ridiculous. Will I know we're going to get into it? What, what are you making of it all? Honestly, I even I don't want to get into it anymore. It is genuinely boring now, isn't it? All right, we're well, coming it, up no, in but, the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is it, it's that same it's that same thing exactly. What you've just said there what what we'll end up doing in this conversation is going yeah the rule's bad VAR's just enforcing it the handball rule needs changing yes it does we're in week 20 of the Premier League now I believe game week 20 and that just means there's been 20 weeks of the exact same conversation it means we've got another 18 weeks to go mm. plus any European football whatever there, there is nothing else to it the rules say that that, would, that shouldn't have counted the only bit the discrepancy and the only new sort of argument in all of this that, that I sort of cottoned onto this week and agree with is the inconsistencies. I know it's, everyone throws up the, the Liverpool pictures and they are hard to argue with and I do I do agree when, when you... The inconsistencies in it, that's the, that's the thing that makes it even more uh, undiscreditable. That's not a word at all, but you know what I'm saying. That That's <laughs> mm. the thing that... Uh, undermines it that's it even more is when there's discrepancies if if that, that rule that poor poor rule had been administered to every single club the all season up until now whilst everyone would be in universal agreement it's still rubbish they're not going to change it during a season that that's for sure everyone's going oh we should scrap VAR now they're just not going to do that the reality is they're not they're, they're going to it has to be a level playing field for the entire season otherwise that undermines the integrity of the whole competition mm. so they're not going to change anything now it is a bad rule 
the only thing is it would be night there is a couple of instances where you think oh hang on a minute that seemed to touch his hand but that didn't seem to matter then that's the bit that annoys me too much but that's this small fry in comparison to the whole thing isn't it so james it's, it's a goal for you even though it touched his hand it's not handball the goal should stand well it, it surprised me that they've allowed they, they've made this change to this rule because i, I don't recall it actually ever it, it be, would... being an issue it was just to get rid of the ambiguity of whether it's intentional or not, isn't it? Because different refs decided, had different ideas of what was intentional, so you had even less consistency. That was the idea, to bring some co- sort of consistency to so, it, wasn't it? So now you've got you've got goals being ruled out for for basically other players kicking the ball at other players' hands, mm. uh, which you know some would say, okay, the Sheffield United player didn't mean to do it, he was just trying to tackle Declan Rice in it, and it happened to ricochet off Declan Rice and then went back onto the defender before he then regained control of the ball. Um, but then some players might, you know, do that intentionally and then suddenly you've got a form of cheating in the game. I'm not saying that that happened on Friday night because it didn't. It, you know, he just tried to tackle him. Sa- but Salah in the Champions League final? Salah in the Champions League final is one of them. That's obviously allowed because it's against Tottenham but in other instances... Yeah, I mean, we can let that one fly but <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what happened. Yeah, that's I just, what we want. The inconsistency. Exactly. We'll let that one fly. Yeah, I just... The, the problem I've got with it is that in the in the rules, and someone's uh, put a, a screenshot of what the rules actually say. And the rules actually say that you know if uh, it basically says use your common sense in this rule. I I know exactly what ones you mean. I've got a feeling that was from from last year because I saw the same ones and at right, first okay. I went, oh, hang on a minute, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Maybe it is from last year. I, I think, don't know. I think this but is I, one. I'd just say if it hits the hand. I still in build think up. there needs to be an element of common sense. If VAR looks at it and VAR has to look at it, that's absolutely fine. Mm. VAR looks at that. But we're taking that human element of common sense out of it, aren't we, when we're all going by this video replay? Because if it was common sense, it would be the referees. Isn't Once he's had a look on the monitor and gone, look, come on, that's not handball. I mean, it is handball, but it's not. there's no intent there. So there's no element of this common sense you speak of, is there? We, we all want I, that. I see your I point. I see your we point. all want that, don't they've we, got, They've got to look at... Okay, fair enough, they've got to check the goal for, for mm. any problems, whether it's offside, you know, handball, I don't know, whether he's... Whatever. But... They they look at that replay there from Declan Rice, and it's quite clear that he's he's, a, he's no way he could have got his arm out the arm out of the way of that mm. ball because like the players are three what and he's not used it to bring it into him he's, to, he's to a give foot, him a better he's a run. foot away from him. Right, they should be looking at that and going, okay, there was a handball there, but the player uh, had no control over that handball. The player had no control over getting getting his hand away from it. He had no yeah, control over no the situation. Yeah. No no control over the tackle that was being made upon him. So therefore, it can't be deemed as as handball. Wasn't an unnatural position. It wasn't an unnatural position. Earlier, earlier on this season, uh, we, I mean, we've had this is the third goal we've had ruled out uh, this season from handball. Um, Antonio at uh, uh, Chelsea before the Southampton yeah. one, where he, he handballed it into the goal. Fair enough, he ruled that one out because yeah, I mean, that was like a punch. It was a punch. He's <laughs> at the back post, yeah. and he's, he's sort of. Uh, and then the Southampton one. The Southampton one has been less has been made of that one because we ended up winning the game one 0 anyway. So I was like, it's okay, true, fair yeah. enough. But still, very similar situation where he was running to keep control of the ball, and the ball flicked up and hit him in the arm. Mm. He was still in control of the ball. Um, at the time, I was, we already won him up at the time. At the time, I was like, oh, that's a little bit frustrating, but it is what it is. Uh, when it happens in the 92nd minute to, to, to have a point. Well, that whole here, playground rule of ball to hand has gone, hasn't it, really? Well, I, do, I honestly, my whole view of VAR as a general rule, not just with this handball thing, is that we're at the most extreme level of the pendulum swing at the moment because what's happened last season, there was all of this ambiguity around whether it was intentional or not, is it ball to hand, is he in an unnatural position, blah, blah, blah. So the Premier League have gone, or the PGMOL have gone, right, we need some consistency. Therefore, we're just going to do black and white. 
really extreme. If it hits your hand in the build-up to the goal, blah, blah, blah. So they've gone right the other way. And I'm hoping that next season they'll realise that that mm. extreme really doesn't work. So now we've seen what it's like at both ends of that pendulum swing. They'll go, right, you know what, actually, we'll bring it back somewhere in the middle. That um, Any contact with the hand is no good. So next year we'll look at it. That is why you're back, Will, for facts like that. Will Pugh with a hard-hitting fact. I've got to say, Doesn't we've, give seen, us a point still, we've does seen it? the two extremes and maybe we need to see a balance of it. Talking that Sheffield United review, we're going to be looking at the transfer business and that Randolph Medical next. This is Love Sport. This is the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins. Joined in the studio with We Are West Ham, James Jones and Will Pugh. We were just talking about VAR and that Sheffield United game on Friday, but we're moving past it now. It's gone, it's done, it's dusted. We are looking to the future and obviously Everton on the weekend we will pre- be previewing that game in a little bit Paul McPartland from these footy times will be joining us to give us the opposition view but before that just before we'd done this show we saw Karen Brady on Sky Sports News giving a little bit of an interview I was watching Will more uh, watching Karen more than I was watching Karen because Will were uh, fair to say you wasn't uh, over the moon with some of the stuff that Karen was saying no no I'll tell you what I was <laughs> over the moon with though Ian King it was actually it was the, the segment was from Sky News mm. the business section they did it earlier in the day Ian King the presenter asked a couple of absolutely outstanding questions <laughs> the first one deadpan as you like so, went, so Karen um, you took over West Ham 10 years ago and you were 17th in the Premier League 10 years later and you're 16th so what's gone wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely outstanding. So, uh, uh, well, we're, we're, we've had some periods where we're more successful, and obviously the you your mentioned King well, impression was better than your Karen. Yeah, yeah I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the the other thing as well, the big thing, and the reason she was on there in the first place about the West Ham stuff was the Deloitte Money League that got released today, I think, mm. and saying basically that West Ham are the 18th richest club in Europe, which Jonesy pointed out to me earlier on, which basically means we're the 18th richest club in the world, yet we're still 16th in the Premier League, and of all the teams above us, they're all in the champ or regularly in the Champions League, we haven't been even close to Europe. We must be the only team in the top 30 of that thing, so never even playing the Champions League. There was a couple of things that Brady said in response, though, that sort of stu- stood out to me. He said, yeah, we've we've invested £200 million in the team. Well, that's over 10 years, £20 million a year. That's nothing, is it, for a Premier that's League That's over the team. last two summers, though, isn't it? Well, literally, yeah, yeah. That, 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 those are the figures that she said since yeah. Ian King. Can't uh, argue with the facts, James. Is she what she said? Every oh, fair play. what yeah. was the other every uh, every asset we have is in a person whatever that means. That's because like, they haven't got a stadium anymore. Yeah, and well, yeah, well that's true. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like oh god, yeah, that that's loads different mm. to all the other football clubs. She <laughs> did say, and when you sign a player for sixty-five million, they take time to manage. Yeah, so. that was it. Yeah, yeah. If, whether, whether you sign players for twenty million, forty-five, or sixty-five, it's like, well, how would you know? We've never signed a player for sixty-five million. So stop right there. And uh, yeah, it's weird that she didn't count the porter cabin at Rush Green as one. One of the assets because that's what another free grand on top, isn't it? Uh, so. they're renting that off, Airbnb, off Dagenham and Redbridge, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and apparently, we're because that Ian King as well said, um, yeah, have you got any plans to actually sign anyone this transfer window given the current state of your team? Should oh, yes, me and uh, me and the team are trying very hard, usually, in the transfer window, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, nothing particularly new, but no, a couple of the um, bits did tickle me and applause to Ian King for the uh, yeah, for the deadpan nature yeah, of the question. A, a couple of classic quotes there from Cam Brady. When you see and, and you watch and you hear these interviews and then you see the Money League in your 18th there, as James said, you know, 18th club, not just maybe in Europe, but in, richest in the world clubs, you know, powerhouses from Europe, but one of the full fifth English high 
highest teams in there, and yet you're not in those European places. When you see that, does it feel like the fans are being fleeced? Does it does it sort of get the back up and you hear these quotes? How does it really make you feel, James? See, normally when this comes out on a yearly basis, you think, cool, you know, I can't believe we're up there. You know, how West Ham up there uh, mm. as a rich club in the world? But then, you know, over the last couple of years, I've seen it and gone, well, hang on. If we're up there, then why aren't we competing on the pitch with these teams? As I said before, um, we must be what the only the only club in at least definitely in that top twenty, potentially the top thirty that have never played Champions League football, European football. Uh, we played Europa League and uh, Cup Winners' Cup back in the day and all that, but European Cup, Champions League football, we've never played in that competition yet with the eighteenth richest club in Europe, potentially the world. Mm. I mean, that's unacceptable. Where is that money? And we've not even got a stadium anymore, so that's that's a, that's an expense, n- no longer there. Um, and it's you know the club need to actually answer the fans that that question because uh, it's actually a disgrace if if you look at it um, that we're we're not competing with these clubs on the pitch. It's what what we're supposed to be doing. It's a, it's a football match, you know. We're, we're a football team. Uh, it's, yeah, okay, it's a business as well. That's what that's what the sport is. Um, but you can't compete in business and not compete on the football. And all the fans care about is the football. Mm. And we're not doing that. So what is what is happening? What's going wrong? She also said, Cameron, she went, it was weird, uh, a football business, because we don't manufacture anything, we don't produce. And that got a chuckle from Will, because uh, Will said, we definitely don't produce. Mm. But there, there were some, some odd statements. And, and, and James is right, because you look at that 18th on the list, but certainly that hasn't. we haven't seen that on the field and, and off it, Will. No, I, I genuinely... I... It's weird. I was watching it earlier on, and I know we'd sort of made light of it then. But it is, it is poor. It's just the same old, the same old fodder we're used to hearing. And why does I, it get churned out though consistently? Because there's got to be a point when not, I don't want to say fans push back. We've, we've almost seen that. Bear, we go. This isn't the case. Look, you know what you're saying. We're not buying this anymore. I think I'll be honest. I think it's it's all, you know these are these are huge outfits with lots of money. The the PR the PR training on the language you use and all that sort of thing. Mm. There's so much that goes into it, but. Luckily, and I think you see it when players do interviews or managers, it's the same old stuff after every game, isn't it? Oh, yeah, we think I'm not about individual awards, looking to the next game, blah, blah, blah. These are all like pre prepared scripts. And I think people did buy into it at the beginning, but like you said, when people start pushing back, there's plenty of fans who have started doing that already. Despite the you know the huge win against Bournemouth that everyone was so <laughs> pleased with, there's there's been some. I think we're going to move on to that in a bit. Yeah, big there's been club some talks, No, there's been some talks again about Don't. protests and <laughs> and that sort of thing. I, really, is it? So maybe we, we we may see a movement that that's starting to see that. I gen I genuinely find it intriguing because when I know Twitter is a such a microcosm of of opinion, and you only often hear. I know. Yeah, but you only often hear negative opinions. We know that. There's, yeah. You know, uh, the people who come out and say positive things never really get... Well, you never really go on Twitter but and say they, something they positive. Get, they get shot down by the people with the negative opinions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or so, it just doesn't get one like... It. Positive opinions don't really go viral. No, no. well, you're right. But <laughs> yeah. what I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I genuinely am intrigued to hear from people or, you know, call up tonight if, if you've listened to what Karen Brady said today or you genuinely feel that we're in the right hands with with those three i genuinely am because i say you go on twitter and the people you speak to i don't know anyone honestly anyone who goes no 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 like lay off them we're we're all right as we are we should we should stick with those three i i genuinely don't know Mm. anyone not just from twitter but in real life as well obviously speak to a lot of west Ham fans a lot of the time Mm. when 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 you talk about the board like that and you talk about those three 
what has changed or what made you believe at the start of the season? Because I feel like I've gone on this journey with you and I also feel a little bit deflated hearing you talk then and the highs and the lows. But what made you at the start go, this is our year, this is better this year, you know? We may see it finally with signs of players. West Ham, we're going to go to that next step. We're going to take that next step and climb that ladder. And now we're seemingly back where we always are. I think I think the difference is, is that on the pitch at the beginning of the season, it was quite encouraging, barring the opening day of the season against City. But that's a... That's, you know, that's a Right, off we anyway. knew that was yeah. We knew that was coming. Um, it, there, there were positive signs up until the moment Fabianski got injured, um, but that still didn't take away the fact that the board the board have have underachieved massively, uh, and you know if anything have done the most unacceptable job as football owners in Premier League history, if not, you know probably in Europe, um, if you take into account everything that's gone on in these last ten years. What happened at the beginning of this season or the last season at the bowling ground or, um, I don't know, last season under Pellegrini where it was relatively, you know, relatively steady, uh, that still doesn't take away the fact that the, the owners, David Gold and David Sullivan, um, have have done a disgraceful job. have done a really, really poor job at running this football club. And yeah, okay, after the Burnley protests a couple of years ago, it all kind of all sort of steadied out a little bit and calmed down a little bit and fans were quite happy with Pellegrini for a little while. But I've said on many occasions, people have asked me, you know, are the fans, the fans like the board now? It's like, well, no, there's, I don't think that's a relationship that can ever be fixed. And I think now, after what's happened over the last, say, month or so, um, it, it's, it's well beyond fixing. Those bridges are, are completely uh, gone now. And um, you know they need to sell. I agree with most of what James says there. I do still think, and one of the bits of PR language that is thrown out all the time. One bit I do agree with. I do think we're in a better position now. Ignore, not ignore. Stadium aside, I just mean purely financially. We were actually sort of close to ruin, weren't they? When we oh, took, took financially, over. We're, we're we're far better off. So I do I do agree with that. I've said it time and time again, and I won't stop saying it till I die, probably. But uh, the Olympic Stadium and the move there will be their legacy, regardless. But yeah. like I said, we could win the league next year, and they'll still be known as the board who moved us from Upton Park. And yeah, I just think it becomes as the time rumbles on. When you see like interviews like Brady's given today, the rhetoric's changed. When we moved, it was all, oh, "Are we going to be challenging? We're going to be challenging." And I've seen a few comparisons this week, which I totally agree with, with Newcastle and their running under Ashley, where just survival and existence is the aim, and ultimately that's not what we were promised. And West Ham fans, not just West Ham fans, but football fans as a whole and people in society, if you promise something and you go into a deal with someone. If the other person or the other group or the other party doesn't hold up their end of the bargain, you end up with people upset or calling for the things that they were promised in the first place. Yeah, and just quickly, Will, because I think you both made good points there. On that narrative, when you say that West Ham are in financial ruin and they've, they've changed that, they've brought you out of that, do you think they go, well, you know, not with saved West Ham but you know we look at the results in that way and we go we've done a great job we don't see it uh, everything else 200 million in 10 years we go look where West Ham were look where they are now as a business we've done a brilliant job that's our legacy ultimately and I, it's, I know it's, you, no, it's such a, it's, it's just, no 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 it's just such a basic thing to say and it really but ultimately but they I, will I, say that won't they no, and they will I, sit on that sorry what I was about to say is, is a bit of a basic thing to say I just I'm, it's hard to look into anything more than they're just they're just in it for the money now it's just a business because mm. there's just been so much out and I, and I try not to get as hot-headed and straight into it and I hate the board and da 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 as everyone else I really do but 
in this situation we're in now, there's, there's just out-and-out contempt being shown for fans, and it has been for some time, and I think the... The, the stadium move was the ultimate insult and then yeah. not to hold up your end of the bargain after that. It's just, like James think, says, bridges burn. I, th- I think that the, the reality is that 10 years ago, anyone with a pound note could have bought us and then improved us financially. It just happened to be them. Uh, they happened to be West Ham fans, uh, so they keep telling us. Um, and so back 10 years ago, it was a match made in heaven. It was like, brilliant, we've been saved, and it's all going to be great. They promised Champions League football, potentially the, the Olympic Stadium, the stadium was amazing. Um, and we were blinded by that because we were so close to ruin. Do you think everyone? Well, I still don't think everyone I mean, was blinded I, I, by I, the I move. I was all for the, the stadium move up until the moment it actually happened, and then I walked into that stadium and went, "It's a nice stadium, but it's not what we were promised." And I, you know, I still, I've always said I quite enjoy going every week. To be fair, I don't think it's as bad as everyone says it is, but it's still not as good as Upton Park. It never will be, um, and it's not what we were promised. So they've broken that promise, Champions League promise, all these promises. But it's all very well being better off financially. But the fans don't care about the finances. We care about what goes on that football pitch. And we're no better off <laughs> Well, this is exactly the fans don't care about. What are you making of it? Have your say. Tweet us at Lovesport Radio. Get your Hammers views heard. 0208 70 20 558. We're going to be doing an Everton preview next. And Paul McParland from the Footy Times is joining us. This is Love Sports. You're listening to the West Ham Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, joining the studio with We Are West Ham. We'll Pugh and James Jones. A brilliant show so far, having a debate on the owners that West Ham are having, the time they're having in the Premier League. Well, now we look to the Everton game. Remember, there is still time for you to have your say tonight. What do you think of the board and the team so far? Tweet us at Love Sport Radio or call us 0208 7020 558. Well, it is an Everton preview and we're talking to Paul McParland from these football times. Paul, thank you so much for joining us and giving us a little bit of your time. Obviously, two teams were new managers, hoping for that new manager bounce. Going well for Everton. David Moyes returning, obviously, to his former club. Key clasher in the weekend. But what are you making of it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be um, an interesting fixture, you know, particularly with, uh, with David Moyes coming up against you know, his former club, Everton, again. Um, but I think, you know, um, a few weeks ago, you know, if Marco Silva still being in charge, at Goodison. I think that, that would be the nailed on home victory for West Ham, even with Pellegrini in charge. But I think the situation's changed quite a bit now with uh, Carl Ansotti having assumed the command of Goodison. Paul, interested to hear, before we go on to the actual game itself, obviously there was there was stories floating around about Everton getting Moyes before you bought yeah. Ancelotti or before you bought a proper manager in and actually paid some proper money for a manager. <laughs> Yeah, um, we, we, th- which you have to do, don't you? Well, yeah, I, I wouldn't know, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what was kind of agreed on a, on a good whack at West Ham? Nah, no, 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 he was. But what I mean, what I mean is, with with that, there there was stories obviously floating around before that Moyes was going to go to Everton, and you know I've said it before. I, I sort of feel that maybe wrongly, you might correct me, but West Ham are in that league with like Newcastle and Everton in terms of size of fan base, history, etc, etc. I think Everton are obviously a bit further along the path of progression than West Ham are at the moment. But what would your what was your feelings or what would your thoughts have been when, when the Moyes stories were floating around about going back to Everton? Yeah, I mean, I mean personally, and I'm, I'm sure I wasn't alone in thinking that, but I wasn't particularly interested in uh, David Moyes coming back to join the club. You know, uh, I, I do think he had he'd had, he he'd done quite well during his ten years so good or but but football's moved on. I think uh, I, I I really believe it would have been a retrograde step from the club to have appointed David Moyes again. I think the complication was that Bill Kenwright I think has a bit of a love infatuation with David Moyes and he was really pushing for David Moyes to come back, but the majority of the fan base wanted a wanted a completely different direction from what David Moyes would have given the club. 
I know the feeling, Paul. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand. I understand your pain. Paul, on that, you know, obviously you got Carlo Ancelotti in, and you know, I know a lot of West Ham fans, me included, would have would have uh, preferred West Ham to make that move. Yeah. Um, uh, just to acted a little bit quicker uh, than than what we did. But what are your sort of early thoughts on Ancelotti at Everton? Do you, do you see him sort of being a long term success there? Because I've, I've I've seen some sort of blogs and articles from from fans, not just Everton fans, but sort of neutral, saying that you know perhaps this could prove to be sort of a bit of a wrong move. Uh, for Everton in the long term? Well, I think when a manager of Ancelotti's calibre becomes available, you have to take, you have to take that opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the way the situation developed was that there was, a, I think, there was a strong possibility of David Moyes come back to Goodison, but when it became apparent that Ancelotti A was available and B, when it became apparent that he was interested in the Everton position, which I have to say to our fan base probably came as quite a big surprise to most of us. Then obviously you, you have to go for that. And I know if you, you know there's a few comments in the press that it's not his type of club. He's used to managing champion. He's used to managing Champions League players, this, that, and the other. But the guy's got is is his track record is you know is it, so impressive and. Or he can only improve the team. He can only improve the players. You now, when, when, when you're saying to, you know, to Dominic Calvert-Lewin, when I did this at Real Madrid, when I did this at, at uh, Bayern Munich, when I did this in, at, in Milan, this is this is how we got success. So I, I can't see this being a bad appointment for Everton at all. And just in terms of uh, when you're trying to sign players, you have Marco Silva trying to to bring you over to Goodison. It's a hard sell. You have Carlo Ancelotti trying to bring you to Goodison. I don't think it's, it, it's a hard sell at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting one, how this one plays out. It feels like a key moment in West Ham's season. But what is your score prediction, Paul, for the weekend? Well, I think it's, it's, it's going to be a close game. I can guarantee there will be one controversial VAR decision, either for you or for us <laughs> during the course of the game. That that, that goes without saying. Yeah, we didn't need to hear that, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, well, we suffered just about you know, on Saturday as well with the most blatant penalty of the season yeah. not being given. Yeah. But uh, it, it's a tough game to call this one. Um I think prior to David Moyes being appointed, Pellegrini being in charge, I, I think it would have been a comfortable victory for us. I, I'm, I'm saying I'm going to be a bit more cautious. I'm, I'm saying a one-all draw at the moment. One-all draw. Paul, really appreciate you giving uh, your time and coming on uh, the West Ham Fan Show. Paul McParland yes, from these footy times. Always good to have a chat with Paul. Get his thoughts. One-one on the week, and then is that something you'd take? And how do you see this playing out, James? Uh, yeah, I'll take, I'll take a point. Uh, <laughs> sound like a crack record, don't yeah. I? Play 38, 48 points, yeah, we yeah. take it. Yeah, mate, I mean, yeah. normally that's enough to lost, stay up. So, and under Karen Brady's uh, uh, thoughts, Come it's probably on, 65 good. 65 million players are hard to manage. Oh, true, yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, no, I, I think, I'd, I'd like to think that we've, we've got a chance in this. I think David Moyes has improved us in the sort of three three games he's been in charge. The Bournemouth game was absolutely fantastic, wasn't it? Well, absolutely brilliant, 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 um, great win. You love to win four 0 at home, don't you? Just uh, and the, you can only beat get, what's in front of you. Exactly, Will. you know Anderson and that. If he's going to get him to play like that, exactly. I mean, shrewd, then, shrewd appointment. Then he's gone to Chillingham, got a great win away Ooh. from home in a tough cup tie. Previous manager couldn't go to Oxford yeah. and get a result. Uh, you know? real, so it takes a special a real, manager to get those real results. Cold <laughs> Sunday night. Mm. <laughs> You're laughing, but it was so <laughs> boring. Everyone, what are been, you making of the Moyes appointment? Because we've not spoke to you, Will. Genuinely on that? No, I, yeah, I, same as same as your man Paul was just saying just then. Yeah, I think same as everyone else. Just a step backwards. I don't know why he was like he was wrong for us at the time. Then I don't know why he's right for us now. Eighteen month deal. I know everyone's sort of oh, saying he's got a bit more time. 
It's not a bit more time. It's not that much time, really, is it? I think mm. it lines up nicely with the the end of his contract. Lines up nicely with the clause in the stadium deal that says the owners can't sell the club without the twenty percent add-on fee. You know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think it lines up all. It all lines up nicely for a for a sale of the club at the end of his deal, giving the new owners or the hopeful prospective new owners the chance to bring their own man in. So I like the sound of that. It just means another 18 months or however long it is of, of grinding our teeth. But no, I'm not particularly impressed, Charlie. It's, you know, I, I just kept my mouth shut. When it happened over Christmas, I thought, you know what? It's Christmas. I'm staying off Twitter most of the time anyway. I just can't be bothered. Mm. I just can't be bothered. So I, I kept my mouth shut at the time. Not particularly impressed. And I'm still not, to be honest. I, you know, that's like I say, we beat Bournemouth. I was just so fed up after that of everyone going to me, ah, oh, see, I don't know what you're talking about. You just smashed Bournemouth 4-0 as if like that had sorted everything. I was like, no, we could have put a team together and given Bournemouth a flipping game mm, at the I weekend. Could, I, I could tell that you, you had some opinion on the David Morris thing though because I woke up the following morning uh, no, the, the the morning after Pellegrini had been sacked, so I text from you going, we need a chat, mate. <laughs> so I've gone, oh my God, what have I done? That was because he just didn't want you to continuously both wear Rolnex. Yeah, that wasn't, maybe. That wasn't about the I've, I've, I phoned him, I phoned him up, he's phoned me back and gone, you all right? So, yeah, you, you text me and go, oh, did I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I must have been drunk. <laughs> oh, so, I, I, I thought yeah. you, uh, you must have been sitting there at two o'clock in the morning going, oh, I can't believe no, it. No, it was, it was exactly that. I went around my mates for a nice little Christmas evening. There's a load of us there, a few wines and all that sort of stuff. And it happened. I thought, no, I've had a few wines anyway. The last place I need to be now is Twitter. I've learned some things from you, Jonesy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so I thought, no, I'm going to put my phone down. James, I thought, you no. need to learn your own lessons. I oh, know, yeah. <laughs> so I was being all sensible. I just texted James and said, oh, we need to have a chat about this in the morning. Basically, so I could vent somewhere that wasn't Twitter. It was it was a real stern like to the point message though. I thought I'd said something wrong, I thought I'd done something wrong. I thought, oh, like God, that was trouble. just a message you sent like, me. I was like, oh, no, I forgot to wish him Merry Christmas. Oh, what have I done? <laughs> well, let, let's keep it on Everton, obviously. Uh, wh- how do you think it's going to play out well in your prediction? Uh, well, Everton have only scored five from five Premier League games since Ancelotti's taken over. So they've only scored more than one once. So I, I don't think it's going to be a high scorer. Uh, uh, right. the, the last the last team that came to West Ham with a stat like that was Newcastle and they were 3-0 up that is true yeah so, that is uh, true 5 uh, new Everton isn't it nah, nah I think we'll lose 1-0 Oh, I think lose my James. Did you say? I don't think you said your prediction, did you? No, I didn't. I know you're going to no. go one all. So <laughs> of course, he <laughs> is. No, 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 not one all. I won't two go all. one all this week. Uh, yeah, I'll go for a Desmond two two. Oh, it's so obvious, James. So predictable. Well, two two and Wilson Everton are going to get the three points on the weekend. I can imagine already next week's show. We'll see. We've got another eighteen months of it before the prospective new owners and new manager come in. So it's going to be a long old time. But the West Ham rogue players mystery players quiz is back next. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the West Ham Fan Show and Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, joined in the studio with We Are West Ham, Will Pugh and James Jones. What show we're having. We were just talking about the Everton game on the weekend, the transfer business, West Ham 18th in that money league and of course the Sheffield United game. But what are you making of everything you've heard tonight? Have your hammer say, tweet us at Love Sport Radio or call us 0208 7020 558. Well, Will Pugh wasn't here last week. We still had the rogue players quiz, but it is now back of course it is we kick off from last week 
uh, we kick off from last year, excuse me, and uh, we get to finally continue because now we're in that home stretch, that final stretch. And I'll be honest, Will, I don't currently know the scores. Do you? Yeah, yeah. 7-5 to James overall. Uh, 2015 points difference at the moment. But obviously I've got a couple of weeks to claw back before the points difference comes oh. into it. But this is re- really, re- uh, really, really where it gets serious, isn't it? It's one of those yeah. like, it's, this is the business end. Yeah, of this season. is the business end. We missed out because it was meant to cut off for Christmas, wasn't it? Mm. Mm. Yeah, and then you, so you decide, oh, I need to have a baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. selfish. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. So selfish. Yeah, it's just why I cut them all. I went, no, I'm going to have a baby. <laughs> yeah, this week. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, um, are you still owe me that beer then? Or, or no, yeah? no, no, no. I mean, obviously, there was a concession on air, but technically, I could still have draw, uh, pulled it back before Christmas, which I probably would have. Last week, by the way, you and Tom, what a shambles. I know. Shambles. Absolutely shambles. I'd rather not talk about that. <laughs> I was listening back to the pod, and I actually got them before you, so I think I get the points. No, no, no. Okay, no, just well, trust me. Well, James is seven five up, so obviously he's got a nice little bit of a cushion. Can he make it free? Can he get a hat trick in front tonight? This is, of course, the rogue player West Ham mystery players quiz. It's easy. Three players, five clues. The clues get progressively easier as we go on. When you know it, shout it out. Fingers on the buzz. If you're playing at home, tweet us your answers, WhatsApp your answers, and I will let you know if you are getting them right. Player number one, clue number one. Currently playing for Locomotive Moscow. Clue number two, played 14 games for West Ham. Clue number three, debut was against Wigan in the FA Cup 2018. Clue number four, scored twice. Patrice Evra? That is incorrect. Clue number four, scored twice for the club. Faguli? That is incorrect. They have had one incorrect guess each. There is unlimited amount of guesses. Last clue, shirt number uh, 18. Shirt number 18. (laughs) Honestly. Shirt number 18, Will. Chris Clue Master number five. Absolutely binning. It's when you're back, I get nervous. Calieri? No. Can we have a recap? Yeah, a quick recap. Clue number one, currently playing for Locomotive Moscow. Clue number two, played 14 games for West Ham. Clue number three, debut was against Wigan in the FA Cup 2018. Clue number four, scored twice for the club. Clue number five, shirt number 18. Gian Mario. That is correct. Unbelievable. James has taken the lead 1-0, but he always he's but he may be getting a bit too confident because there is two players. Is that the spark to motivate Will? There's two players left. Will can still win this tonight, but James is off to a flyer. Player number two, clue number one. Product of the Youth Academy. Dan Potts. <laughs> and actually want to quickly <laughs> say, Reese, who does this quiz, uh, quiz, said that this player number two, he reckons, is the hardest one he's ever he, done. He tweeted about this earlier. Okay. Yeah, and it got me worried. Yeah, well, clue number one. <laughs> What's his problem? <laughs> clue number one, product of the youth academy. Clue number two, Captain England at every youth level from under 15s to under 21s. Noble. Incorrect. <laughs> Clue number three, only played seven times for West Ham. Clue number four, played 74 times for Ipswich. Chris Cohen. Incorrect. Clue number five, shirt number 27. Freddie Sears. Incorrect. A quick recap on apparently the hardest one tonight. You two, what is the matter with you? Clue number one, product of the Youth Academy. Clue number two, Captain England at every youth level from under 15s to under 21s. 
Clue number three, only played seven times for West Ham. Clue number four, played 74 times for Ipswich. Frank Newball? That is incorrect. Oh, Clue number shout, five, he won't, he won't, you've shirt passed. number 27. Danny Williamson keeps coming to mind. Incorrect. There's no time stamps you, on those clues, though, is there? So it nah. could be 90. He said it was the hardest one. Do you want to bank it and go on to player number three? Yeah, yeah go on. Yeah. Player number three, clue number one, began their career in 1985. Clue number two, played for five different London clubs. Clue number three, capped once for England in 1994. Oh, Jesus. Clue number four, signed for 300,000 in July 1998. Clue number five, played 56 games in total for West Ham, scoring three goals. Mm. 90-90, oh God, this is nightmare. Cat once for England. I'm going to give you a bonus quiz on this last one. Go on. Clue number six, recently appeared on Celebrity MasterChef. <laughs> Eve's <laughs> thinking of the jungle. Well, yeah, celebrity 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 recently appeared on Celebrity MasterChef. Yeah, That's a bonus clue cut. number six. I don't watch MasterChef. <laughs> Weirdly, I despite the Rolnicks. I couldn't think of anything worse. Oh, right, player again. number two and player number three. After you said last week was a shambles, you are stumped. James is currently leading one new. If you can't get him, we may have to go to the scoreboard. <laughs> right, come on, come on, right. come on. Right, I'm gonna, we're going to go through number three again. No, number two. All right, number, number two. two. Clue number one. Product of the Youth Academy. Number two, Captain England at every youth level from under 15s to under 21s. Only played seven times for West Ham. Played 74 times for Ipswich. Jordan Spence? That is correct. Bang. Wow. Bang. Great shout. Bang. That's Bang. a great shout. One, one. Jordan Spence. That's a brilliant. Pulled it out of the bag. Pulled That's it out of the bag. Brave. Well, this is now even more intense because it is 1-1 and this is for the game just, point tonight. Just a quick reminder, that one I just got reset, it was the hardest one he'd ever done. Just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is no bonus points for that. Uh, player number three and the player that matters. Clue number one began their career in 1985. Played for five different London clubs. Capped once for England in 1994. Signed for 300,000 in July 98. Played 56 games in total for West Ham, scoring three goals. Winterburn? No. No, Remember, recently appeared on Celebrity MasterChef. <laughs> Which me and James have never watched in our entire yeah, lives. I, I mean... <clears throat> oh, also appeared in Big Brother 2013. Neil Ruddock. That is correct. Oh, mate, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> 2-1 to James. It's another game point. That's an absolutely ridiculous set of clues, that was. <laughs> we needed Razor to wrap it up. We needed to ra round Jesus. it up. My mate Razor. 2-1 mm. James you're now 8-5 you're in game weeks yeah to think I was 4-1 down as well mm. wow 4-1 down was I 4-1 or you were 4-1 no, down I was 4-1 down alright oh, <laughs> uh. what's interesting is we'll, we'll dine out on the fact that he got the hardest one but when you're 8-5 it's like VAI it doesn't matter does it, it doesn't matter does it yeah that one yeah. and Mark Reaper, which I still get congratulations about on Twitter. Mm. <laughs> on your own burner accounts. <laughs> you tweet yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Literally, yeah. At will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You text yourself we're, at three in the morning, we need to chat about that Mark Reaper <laughs> chat, mate. You read it in the morning, um, what are you on about? I got that one. <laughs> oh, that's a shambles set of clues. Neil Razor Ruddock, and those are the only clues he could think of. I don't like to 
have a pop at the quiz master who literally props this show up for us every week. <laughs> yeah. You're a Don't blame Reese. No, Reese is on it. He's absolutely I think Reese is doing an absolutely fantastic Sterling job. Keep it job. up, mate. Keep yeah. it up. 8 5. Don't Reece. couldn't have thought of a better clue for Razor no, Rudder. Yeah, but then it would have been too obvious because I looked at it, Razor, and I thought, oh, they're going to get this straight away. But those were good clues for Razor. No, shambles. Shambles of a show. James, Reece I've got to be honest, shambles. 8 5 going forward, I mean, you've got this in a bag, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. When's the cut off point on mm. Thursday? Uh, this is vintage Liverpool last season from you, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Has yeah. yeah. James right. got like a bit of. He, he can fold, he's got it in him. Yeah, absolutely. I think when we know that I've got Jordan Spence and Mark Rupert in the bag, you know, you can never write me off, can you? No, no, I've got me, me and Razor Rudder will win <laughs> <Yeah>. this one. <laughs> so, oh, happy birthday, Declan Rice, by the way. That's yeah. one, one thing. West Ham's probably... only tangible asset left. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, as Karen so, Brady Karen Brady's only asset. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Produ- That's 65 million. Yeah, and I think we've got about a minute and a half for our transfer roundup, which I think is too long. It's way too long. <laughs> yeah, way too long. We need to break yeah. it into sections. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can you talk really slowly, please, Will? The, the, the only, I think the only headline and the only update generally on our transfer business is that Jonathan Woodgate said Dan Randolph's medical that he's having with us is the longest medical he's ever known right. any player to have ever. That's how much of a shambles we are at the moment. We can't even sign an injured goalkeeper. Yeah, and that's coming from Jonathan Woodgate, perhaps the most injured man the world has ever known. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's worrying, isn't it? It's completely come full circle. Well, this has been the West Ham Fan Show with We Are West Ham, Will Pugh and James Jones. Of course, we'll be back next week to discuss that Everton game, to play the West Ham Mystery Players quiz, to see if we can get back into it. We will see you at the same time every Tuesday, 7 to 8, right here on Love Sport Radio. Love Sport. Sports Social Podcast Network.